This is the Arm Subject Matter Expert Podcast, hosted by Justin Poulin. Tune in every month as we speak with industry experts to highlight success stories and solutions from the field that advance the healthcare supply chain. And now, Justin Poulin with this month's expert. All right, another episode of the Arm Subject Matter Expert Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Poulin from Power Supply. Joining me today is Latifa Jackson, Supplier Diversity Manager at University Health. And we're going to be talking about the importance of supplier diversity for supply chain and really focus on the community involvement and economic impact. Latifa, I'll tell you, this conversation has been coming up more and more often lately, even when it's not the focal point of a conversation, I hear it woven into a lot of the dialogue that's happening in our industry. So welcome to the Arm Subject Matter Expert Podcast. We're happy to have you today. Thank you, Justin, for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you guys just to give you a little bit more intel about supplier diversity. And you're absolutely correct. It is coming up left and right in the industries, in the clinical space and in the non-clinical space just because of the impact that it has on our local community and everywhere else. Yeah, I I will say with the local communities, I think people especially, and I feel like one of the ways that this has come up is talking a lot with like rural healthcare and critical access facilities. It's, It's like the economics of being one of the larger employers in an area is really, really important to the community's survival. And even before we dive into all of that, you also have some background in the community in terms of local government. And so I thought maybe you could talk about your role today at University Health, but also tell us about that important background that gives you a unique perspective on this topic. Absolutely. So University Health is the county hospital in the San Antonio region. We are the Bear County Hospital. And so with our healthcare system, taxpayers actually pay into us. So when we're saying reinvesting that dollar back into the community, we're putting back taxpayer dollars back in taxpayer hands. One of my vendors is, is really passionate about this. And she tells me, I pay you twice. I give you taxes from my business and I give you taxes from my home I own. So and I was like, yes, ma'am, I completely understand it. With me, I, I say I'm slight unicorn. So for the 10 years prior to coming to University Health, my background was in procurement of the local and state government. So I always tell people those 100-page RFPs, requests for qualifications that they got, I am so sorry. I used to be the one issuing them. Um, and now <laughs> I say I jumped over to the, to the fun side because now I'm helping people go through them and understand what does this really mean and what are their options? A lot of times business owners, they understand their niche of their business. But when we start talking procurement, contracting and what can I negotiate? Some small businesses, they're scared to ask for negotiations during the process Some people have payment terms of 45 days. That could kill a small business waiting 45 days to get paid. They don't know they can come back and ask us, hey, can you do 30 days? So it's a really big education arm in my program that I'm really pushing towards the small businesses. That way they really understand procurement and understand how to add their value, understanding the different threshold levels, because sometimes, hey, this is going to be low bid. And if you understand my thresholds, you know, if you even want to commit time to putting in a proposal. 
That's a really good point. So many people get involved in an RFP, and especially as a small business, you feel like you have to take every opportunity that potentially comes across your plate. But knowing those parameters, like you just said, and not wasting time on something that isn't going to be a good fit. You also mentioned payment terms. And we hear about small businesses all the time going cash poor because of their success. And in a lot of cases, you know, if they're contracting with a local health system and that volume of business is going to be significant, but the payment terms are so slow and they have any kind of outlay on cash flow in terms of wages or any equipment that they need to buy. And then all of a sudden they don't collect on the other side. They could actually go bankrupt from their own success which is a unique situation. And so what I really like about your role is the fact that you're educating them, not just simply being a conduit for finding local businesses to work with. It's this is how you can navigate it successfully. You're actually becoming a resource, not just an access point. And I think that's really important in terms of that responsibility to the community. Can you talk about that more? Maybe, maybe even advance on that. Cause you know, your role a lot better than I do. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's that resource guide with my history, with my connections to other procurement professionals as well within the healthcare industry and with outside of it. I say I'm a connector. That's all I do is I educate and I connect people to different resources, to different opportunities. But I also want to mention, it's just not the education to the small business owners to understand our contracting process and understanding what a GPO is and all this other stuff. It's really the education of our internal team as well. There are myths around diverse vendors or, oh, it's going to cost me so much more to do business with a diverse vendor. I have one person I put behind the red line in our OR. Within six months, he saved me a half a million dollars. Wow on a product line and they're like, oh, wow. Or I have another vendor come in and, and they've just been knocking out the park. My internal team is extremely happy and I'm like, oh, and they're a diverse vendor. And they're like, they are. So it's doing some of that myth busting and even helping them understand and, and re-educating them on our policies. As we are a county facility, we actually have it in our policy that, hey, if they are a local vendor, and they might be two or three percent higher. We'll go with them if it's within a three percent range of their price. Just again, to put that money back in the community. And when we're saying we're putting money back into the community, we're employing our local citizens and they're employing people that are here as well. So now we're giving them access to health care and other benefits that they might not have had if they didn't have employment. And so that's going straight towards our mission Every healthcare system, we'd rather have you in our clinics doing that prevention health using your insurance versus you coming to our emergency rooms because you don't have any insurance or going to some of the other facilities and higher bills and all that stuff that's going to trickle back down. But we're able to help with that preventative health and, and those benefits just by employing vendors that are local and they're employing our local citizens. That's such a larger perspective on really how healthcare works from a business standpoint, because you're right. First off, we know how expensive it is to be in the emergency room, but it is infinitely more expensive to the hospital's bottom line when they don't have insurance because that winds up being a write-off or they go on payment plans, which they may or may not be able to actually pay. The other thing that we know, statistically speaking, is anybody that is either unemployed or employed 
below the poverty line has a risk or a greater risk for health problems and chronic illnesses and not being managed properly, which again is where a lot of the expense comes from in healthcare. So it's just such a great point that you're making by helping businesses in the local community thrive. You actually meet that larger vision and mission of healthcare, which is to make the community more healthy and to serve the health needs of the community at a different level. I think connecting that mission to what's happening on a business standpoint is great. And I like that you have kind of that policy, that 3% line, so that you sort of have a parameter to start with. And I'm sure when you're doing your educating, that's a big part of it too. What about from a marketing standpoint? Do you take that message out into the community on behalf of the healthcare organization so that they understand it and become more aware of it? Tell me more about you know how how university health is even perceived as a result of this. Absolutely. So like I told you before, my background was really in local and state government. And when I used to work for the city of San Antonio here, which is a wonderful employer, I would meet people and they asked me, where do you work? And I was like, I work for the city of San Antonio. And then they start fussing at me about a pothole in their street. I was like, I don't work in the street department. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm over the convention center. But now when I'm going out in the community and I'm like, I work for university health, it's, oh, my, my daughter did a residency there, or I helped build the women's and children's tower. We just opened a women's and children's tower or, Oh, you saved my mom's life. It's a totally different interaction working for a health system. And it's really, it's invaluable the way it makes people feel. And we understand how deeply rooted we are in the community. When you have somebody come up and I helped to build the women's and children's tower. Wow. Thank you for contributing to us through your services of Whatever your technical skill was, you're a subcontractor on one of my projects, but now you have that ownership and they learn a little bit more about what the healthcare system does. A lot of people, they're just like, oh, you go there when you get sick, but you understand our mission. You understand a lot more of our programs that we have. And so when we're talking about as a taxing entity, sometimes um, if you have to raise your rates, we haven't had to do it. We've been wonderful, but people understand a little bit more why. When they understand your why, when they understand your concern, the things that you're really doing in your community. As we're going out, we have a mammogram bus that we send out into the community. Different things like that, having those conversations. Oh, I need a mechanic to work on my mammogram bus. Oh, my my wife had breast cancer and she survived. She went to your clinic. Then it's the connection. It's the invaluable connection that people have with us. So when we say we are a community hospital, we are really in the community for the community. And you really build trust, I think, too, because Mm -hmm. sometimes one of the reasons that healthcare costs go up so much or even just, you know, the cost of care for an individual patient goes up is because they wait, because they're afraid to go get that care. And I know Healthcare organizations across the country are constantly trying to really move to this preventive model and talking about the earlier we catch it, the better the outcomes are going to be, you know, statistically speaking, 
for our patients. And so I think reaching into the community in different ways that aren't necessarily just trying to get them to access healthcare, but to help them gain trust in the healthcare organization really is also going to help with that mission. Now, you've referenced a couple of success stories that we were going to talk about before we wrap up the interview. You mentioned the Women and Children's Towers, and you mentioned that a local contractor saved half a million dollars for you. So let's start with the Women and Children's Towers. And talk about in the theme of, you know, supplier diversity and, and working with, you know, local companies. How did that play into the Women and Children's Towers? Oh, so one of our successes for the Women's and Children's Towers was our concession stands. First, most diverse vendors think I'm not in healthcare, so Latifa, I'm not even talking to you, so I'm not gonna be able to supply you anything. And I'm like, no, I need everything you need to run a business. And so I was out in the community and I met a, a vendor and they're like, you want me in a hospital? I said, have you ever thought about it? It's a bidding process. I can't promise you a contract. I can promise you an opportunity. And he was like, okay, I'm interested in it. And so, okay, you're a diverse vendor. Have you been certified? And their answer was, no, I have not been certified as a diverse vendor, small minority women, veteran owned, the whole alphabet soup in diversity. And so I took him to the certification agency and I pointed him in the right direction. This is how you get certified. Got certified. Then he's like, okay, I did it. I said, okay, be on the lookout, register on our vendor platform. That way you're notified when it comes out. He registered on the portal. He's like, is everything looking good? I said, it looks good on my end. Then the next step, when the actual RFP came out, I gave him a courtesy email. Hey, you should have got a notification, but just to let you know that it's out, he bid on it. Not only did they win the original concession that they applied for, but they got a second one. So they are, our, yeah, so it was really exciting. And they were all excited. They're like, we got two, we got two places in there. And I was like, it's a process. It's a step-by-step process, but it works. But again, it goes back to that education to your local vendors. They didn't even think They probably didn't even investigate how to get certified previously. And I mean, it's just, it's such an important aspect of taking advantage of being a diverse supplier is getting that certification. So even you just educating them on how to do that. And, and I imagine that there are programs that were also available to them outside of healthcare that they weren't even aware of because of that certification as well, since they obviously weren't only in healthcare. We know what it means, you know, in healthcare, we're always looking for diverse suppliers and we know that there's programs available for those supplier organizations, but I'm sure it exists outside of healthcare too. And just encouraging them to take that step, I think is a, is a great component of the education that you were providing. What about the $500,000 or half a million? That almost sounds bigger, even though it's the same number. Let's say half a million. (laughs) Tell me about the half a million in savings with a local supplier. Oh, that was another one I met at our, we have a county driven supplier diversity conference every year in December here. We have thousands of vendors come. There's hundreds of different entities, government entities, prime contractors, everything. I met this one vendor. They're like, I want to do business. with you. Okay. Are you certified? That's usually my first question I ask them. No. Okay. Let's point you in the right direction. I actually walked him over to our certification booth that was there. And I was like, these are the people you need to talk to. They got certified. Then we start talking product lines. I'm like, okay. I always tell people I speak purchasing and shoes. 
those are my languages that I speak fluently. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, let me put you in contact with one of my value analysis coordinators. And this is where that collaboration comes in, right? We don't just switch to diverse vendors because Latifah said so. I'm named after Queen Latifah, but I'm definitely not a queen of healthcare. So it really does take a village to put some of this together. And so he was able to work with our value analysis coordinator. They went through the whole trial process and we were able to implement them within our system. And when you're implementing a new vendor, it's a disruptor. Not everybody's going to be happy. Usually the person getting disrupted, right? But it's part of that education. This is what we're doing just for our system. And they were able to save us about half a million dollars within the first six months on a contract with us. And our clinical team is extremely happy with the products, their services. And when we're talking these numbers and supply chain and also in supplier diversity, we're really bad at marketing ourselves, right? And so we took that opportunity and we went to the president of our clinical side and we said, hey, this is what this vendor was able to do. We presented it to our board of managers. That way they know we're really investing not only just in our community and our small businesses, but within the system as a business case. And so it was really beneficial for everyone. It was a win-win. And it just showed that further commitment of what we're doing and As I always say, it's not just me. It's working with your GPO. It was me working with my value analysis team. It's working with supply chain to make all of these components work together and make sense. Well, you've made a very significant argument for why we should look at contracting locally, contracting with diverse suppliers for supply chain. And I mean, you can't, hard to argue with half a million dollars, but I think the thing that really sticks out to me is just the way that you're educating the community and helping support their growth and helping those businesses thrive. Because again, it does, it has such a great impact on the health of those communities. Great interview, Latifah. Anything you want to add before we wrap up? I would just urge anyone who's listening to go back in your community and look, go back through your spend of 2020. When the pandemic happened, a lot of people leaned on small businesses because they were able to pivot their business to tailor to what we needed. Don't make those one-time usage. Go back to them and see what we can actually do to put them back into your health spend for your years to come. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm easy to find. I'm sure Justin will have my information up. Please email me, contact me. I'm willing to help you start your program, increase your program, or introduce you to some really good vendors. But you can't have all their usage because of my vendors too. <laughs> Great job, Latifah. Thank you so much for joining me on the Armed Subject Matter Expert Podcast. I'm Justin Poulin, host of Power Supply. Latifa Jackson, Supplier Diversity Manager at University Health, joining us today. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arm Subject Matter Expert Podcast. For additional resources, visit our website at arm.org. That's A-H-R-M-M dot org. Tune in next month for another edition of the Arm Subject Matter Expert Podcast.